Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. I'm going to go ahead and get into the scripture. And before we do that, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 24. And I want to say it's so good to have the vows with us here today, tonight. And I'll tell you what, you can leave that little baby here if you want to. I'll hold her a little while. Brendan, so good to see you. Kim, so good to see you. And it's, is it Olivia? Olivia, so good to see her. Isn't she the cutest little thing? She is, give, I think you need to give them a bigger round of applause than that. Honestly, they're so, she's so cute. Her whole skin matches that little outfit she has on. She's pink all over. I love that, man. She's so cute. So, listen, I'm going to read this to you, and I hope you brought something to write down some notes. I want you just to imagine just for a moment that you have me, me, you, and Jesus are together, and you just have my undivided attention, and I'm going to talk to you about a subject I think is very relevant. Um, I think that if we were to have some time to discuss some things for you in your life that you need to hear to help you win uh, live victoriously, and be a champion, I think that this would be one of those subjects. So as we read together, Proverbs chapter 24, verses 13 and 22 says, says, my son, eat honey because it is good, and the honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, there is a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. For a righteous man may fall seven times. Can you say that with me? I can fall seven times. The scripture says a righteous man falls seven times. Now let me kind of identify that righteous man. None of us are righteous in our own eyes, but when we choose to obey God and do the right thing, God acknowledges obedience as his righteousness. Let me say that again. When you're obedient to God, he counts it as righteousness. And then whenever you are vindicated or you are covered by his grace and mercy, he looks at you as righteous. So the righteous man falls seven times. So you can get saved, you can pray uh, all day long, and you know what, I, I hate to tell you this, you can fast for 40 days, and guess what, you're still going to fail. You're still going to make mistakes. But a righteous man, when he falls, uh, it says, though he, he does fall and arise again, he will fall, but he will definitely get up. Now, that he is not just referring to the gender of a male, but it's also male and female, speaking to the spirit man. So we fall, but we get back up. It's going to happen. You're going to fail. Get over it. If you don't fail, you're not doing anything at all. And right now, what God desires to do with you is take out the fear to remove the thought that hinders you from extending yourself, from being the best person you can be and what God's made you to be. No, you can't control it all. No, you cannot have everything perfect. 
but you have to step out sometimes. And if you fall, the good news is God has your back. God has your back. So let me finish this up. So the righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and is displeased, and it displeases him. And he, and he turn away his wrath from him. So whenever God's vindicating you and you see your enemy being corrected and judged or in the, to a certain extent of, of, of God validating your good life and what you've done right. Because sometimes, how many of you know that we've seen people prosper when they, it, it kind of confuses us because maybe they did you wrong. Maybe they did someone else wrong. Maybe they didn't do it right, but you still see them prospering. God says, get your eyes off of them. Don't worry about them. And when you see something bad happen, don't even rejoice over that. Don't even give in to that and celebrate and say, oh, I knew it was coming. What goes around comes around. Don't even get on that bandwagon because you're going to, you're really going to defile your own spirit. Don't give in to that. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruins for those two can bring? Who knows it? This is the King's English right here in the New King James Version. But ultimately, what it's trying to say is that if you'll just focus on bettering yourself with the knowledge of God and you'll focus on trusting him, that no matter what you face, no matter what you come to terms with on the, as far as challenges, you will not fail. You won't fail. But here's the flip side to that. Failure is not a person. It's just an experience. But the irony of what I've just told you is, is this. I need to talk to you tonight briefly about why you must fail to win. Why you must fail in order to win. I don't think anyone wants to fail. Most of our life, what we do, everyone, we, we try to do our very best to get in a safe place and never get out of that safe place and find security. I think life is really all about for us is finding security. How many of you, um, you prayed for the job that you have now, that a job that has benefits and security is not a high turnover rate, and you, you've prayed for that job your entire life, and when God gave it to you, there was a sense of peace, just a sense of peace. How many of you have a sense of peace with what God's blessed you with? may not be a job. It may be your home. It may be, it may be your relationship. How many of you have ever experienced a sense of peace that God gives you from the right decision and the blessings of God? Raise your hand. You probably felt a peace about that more than anything else because of the sense of security that it brings. I remembered when God first called me to ministry, I, I worked a full-time job as an instrumentation technician at a generation plant. I did that for, for almost nearly 20 years, possibly, 15 years. And um, I remember working at a job that, that I, I was blessed with, and I had awesome bosses. And I was just talking to someone the other day about this, how God picked me up. I mean, he, like, picked me up out of, out of a state of, of having no chance and putting me someplace with the company 
that everyone and their dog, if you will, were trying to, to get into. I mean, to get to the place where I was at this job, somebody, somebody had to die in order for you to get in there. And people would ask me all the time, how did you get there? How did you get that job? And I honestly had to tell them, God blessed me with it. And there was all the perks that came with it, all the security, the, the benefits. And I thought, Lord, you're so, you're so good to me. And I felt a sense of peace. And I felt a sense of all my worries taken care of. And I was like, thank you, Lord. And I did everything I could to maintain that. I did everything I could to be a good employee. I showed up early. I, um, I worked hard. I stayed late. I spoke to my boss with a yes, sir, and, and a no, sir. And I was as obedient as, as, obedient as I could be. But then I remember the day that God called me into ministry full time, and I had to walk away from that job. And the thoughts in my mind, because I, I we, we were called to pastor this church. And so for the first three years, I worked a full-time job and pastored this church. And I never took a paycheck or a penny from the church because for, for three years, we just put everything into the church. So our concept was let's work as long as we can and so the church can grow and we can benefit from that. But at one point, God said, enough is enough. You're, I appreciate the sacrifice, but you're going to have to trust me. And so the church got big enough where it was able to handle a salary, just a modest salary. And I thought, okay, God, if I don't, I really, if this is what you want, I've, this is what I kind of wanted my whole life. I knew this was coming, but I just didn't know it was going to happen so soon. Why can I just hold on to this job a little bit longer? Let me go get my teeth fixed. Maybe have one more baby. So I resisted. I told God, yes, but I said, not right now. In my heart. I didn't say it out loud, but in my heart. When I didn't act out of obedience, everything on that job started working badly. I mean, everything. If you've ever worked out in a plant, in a generation plant, or you've been out in a chemical plant, you're ex, you're, some of you men are probably familiar with some of these terms, extruders, motor, electric motors, valves, turbines. Everything on that job started working badly. Things were breaking down. It always worked smoothly. My relationship with some of those people had been great and all of a sudden, there was confusion, arguments, tension. Then one day, God said, when are you going to listen? We were working on one job on the site, and one of my coworkers said, I don't know what it is, guys. We were doing a shutdown. That's what they call a turnaround. Or when we shut down the plant and we worked on a piece of equipment and we fixed it, then turned the plant back on, the, the systems in place. And one time, a, a co-worker of mine said, I don't know what's going on, but there's a bad aura in the atmosphere. This guy was the furthest thing from the, ch from the church as well, he, and he wasn't ashamed to say it. He didn't go to church, didn't care to go to church, and didn't believe in this and that, but he felt something in the atmosphere. He said, guys, I'm not a religious guy, but I'm just telling you all there is something bad going on right now. Things aren't working with you. I better watch yourself. 
I said, okay, Lord. So I talked to my boss, and I told my boss, I said, it's time for me to go. God's released me, and I have to go pastor full time. I was scared of failing. I was scared of not having my family provided for. I was scared because I was making very good money. I was able to do things for my family that every family should be want to have for their family. I think it's God's will, don't you believe that, that every family should be blessed? Raise your hand if you believe that. And if if you're struggling right now, I want you to confess that. I want you to make that confession because you may not have that job or that with that company or that corporate office, but you are part of the kingdom of God. And corporately, that it's God's will for every single one of us to have every one of our our needs met for. God is going to supply all of your needs. He will supply all of your needs, and there's nothing in the world that can stop the provision of God coming forth towards you. Listen, when God chooses to bless you, he will overrun you and tackle you and throw you down. I was scared, and I told my boss it's time to go, and I'm going to tell you something. Two weeks later, to make a long story longer, Two weeks later, I got a phone call from my coworkers, and they said they had all had this conspiracy theory that I had sabotaged the entire plant. Because as soon as I left, everything started working good, and people got along. I was a Jonah. I wasn't supposed to be there. And I was scared to go because I was scared of failing. And I have to be honest with you. Can I be candid with you right now and tell you that since I've been pastoring full-time, I've been pastoring for almost 20 years as an assistant pastor and as a pastor of 10 years of this church and so forth, but, but I'm going to tell you I have made a lot of mistakes. I have dealt with ego. Don't, don't stare me down and get religious on me. Let go of your ego. Pride. Fear of risking and taking a chance, lest somebody say, oh, he just he doesn't know how to make wise decisions. I've made a lot of mistakes, made a lot of bad choices. But that is the only way you'll learn how to make good choices. And I've never looked at someone else and said, well, I can't believe they're being blessed. It rains on the just and the unjust. That could be blessings or curse. It doesn't matter. God is good to everyone because he wants to change their hearts and minds. So the best thing for you to do is not compare yourself with another family. The best thing for you to do, dear wife, is not compare your husband with somebody else's husband. The best thing for you to do, husband, is to not compare her with anyone else. And I'm talking about cooking, I'm talking about cleaning, I'm talking about everything. For every young person, for the best thing for you to do is to be appreciative of all the things that God's given to you and your family and your house because there's always someone else that has it worse than you do. I know I sound a little fatherly tonight, but the truth is, is that you don't realize how bad you have it or how good you have it until you see how bad someone else does. So I can honestly say that we are blessed. 
We are blessed in this nation. We are blessed in our homes. We're blessed in the fields. We're blessed in the cities. We're blessed all around. You're here today. You're here tonight, and you are blessed because you have oxygen in your lungs, and you don't, you're not hooked up to a ventilator. You're not hooked up into a, a lifeline in the hospital. You're in the house of God here tonight. Somebody thank him just for the simple things. Just thank him for the simple things. But fear can cripple you, and fear can grab a hold of you because you're afraid that if you, you know, even go to church, I'm going to get into a wreck. Or if I step out, and I don't want to deal with someone at church. I would go to church if it wasn't for the people. You know, that's what Mahatma Gandhi said, why he didn't become a Christian. He didn't become a Christian because he said, I would have become a Christian had it not been for Christians. Mahatma Gandhi was a studier of the Bible. He got all his ideologies. Where do you think he got his strategy from to win that nation over back to his people? He followed the rules of Jesus Christ with a nonviolent approach. Martin Luther King Jr. did the same thing. Love, not war. But you can't be afraid. So here we are. Here we are. And I can honestly say, that there had been times where I didn't have money to go on vacation, but then someone would step up. Now, don't get jealous now. All the haters hate all you want. But I have been on cruises that I didn't pay for. I have been on vacations I didn't pay for. I've lived in temporarily some Airbnbs that some of you would be jealous of that I didn't pay for. Because somebody else offered. When I didn't have it, God stepped in and said, the kingdom of God is about excess, not really owning it most of the time. It's about being blessed. I have been, never been without. There have been things that I have feared that would never come to pass that are coming to pass right now. I was. Can I be honest with you? I, 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 it's not like I'm alive. It's like, can I... You know, <laughs> we were the only house in our neighborhood after the hurricane that was still had holes in it and leaking in my roof. But somebody through, came through recently and said, I want to bless you, Pastor, and took care of the roof. And I'm going to tell you something. Now the roof looks like everyone else's. We're not ashamed to go and drive up to our house. <laughs> if God can do it for you, I mean, he can do it for me. He can do it for me. He can do it for you. All I'm telling you is, is that there are certain things that happen in our life that God wants to take care of without us having to worry about failure. Now, to speak on the other hand, let's talk about this. Are you ready? If you've never failed, you have never lived. If you have never failed, you have never lived. That's just exactly how the saying goes. Failure is probably one of the most important aspects of life, but you can't be afraid of it. You're going to make mistakes, but you have to step out into your calling and be in front of people. That's where God's called you to be. You have to lead other people even if you make the wrong turn. You're going to have to step out and stretch yourself to a land project or a building project when you don't have the full amount of the, of the money that, that you know you need. That's kind of the situation God wants you to be in anyways so he can perform a miracle in your life and God can do something miraculous. I think God wants us to be in positions where we have to trust him. 
We have to trust him. You have to trust him. If you understand, we sometimes forget when we look at somebody successful or somebody that's always winning, we forget about all the, all the failures and all the, all the mistakes that they have made. You can't look at someone and say, um, I'm jealous, and man, I just can't believe it. Man, I don't know. I mean, golly, that never happens for me like that. You don't know. That may have been the hundredth time that they prayed and tried, and 99 times they failed. Then the hundredth time you see it happen, and then you're like, oh, my God, it never happens for me. It didn't happen for them either. They tried 99 times, and you just happened to see them on the hundredth try. Practice does make perfect. And in life, unless you're willing to step out on the court, unless you're willing to get out on the field and make a mistake, you are never going to win. You can't win a game sitting on the bench. You can never get ahead by staying behind. Here's point number one. I'm going to go through my introduction. Number one. Write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down here tonight. Failure is life's professor. Failure is life's professor. And I use the word professor in terms of college. Because there are some of you that have not been to college. Now, I'm all for education. In fact, I'm fixing to go back and, and get my education and further my education with biblical studies. God put it on my heart, and I'm going to continue my education and go to school. So that's a good thing for me. I've just always been intimidated by that. I've gone to college. I've, 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 I've got some education prior to, to a certain field. But when I was in school, let me tell you something. I did not do good. But I realized that it wasn't because I wasn't smart. It's because I had too many friends that I wanted to entertain. I thought after the fact, I graduated finally by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. I thought, hold on a minute. I can do this. I'm not stupid. I was just lazy, and I was just irresponsible. That's why some of you, you're so stuck in your past of failing that you won't further educate yourself because you're afraid you're not going to make it. That's not true. You're smarter than you think. You just happen to care now. It's never too late. Who am I talking to? It's never too late to go to school again. It's never too late to educate yourself and never make the excuse. Let me tell you something, especially when we have the Internet. I mean, come on, folks. You can become a culinary genius by watching YouTube. I have a good friend of mine, I asked him a question today, and he said, man, just Google it. That's right, I can just Google it, man. All the knowledge is there. There is no excuses. Most of you may not have an education. Some of you may not have an education, but you can get one from the University of Hard Knocks. Peter was not an educated man. The apostles, not all of them were educated in fact, the Scripture says that they were uneducated and unlearned men, but they had perceived they had been with the Lord. 
It was the anointing in their life that separated them from everyone else, but they learned from their failures. Peter learned from his failures. He learned not to open up his mouth too soon. He learned how, what not to do in public when he was asked, is he a disciple or are you a disciple of Christ? Because sometimes your decisions and your failures that you make are based on peer pressure. Peer pressure. You're afraid, we're afraid of being associated with some of those goody tissue people, those religious people. Right? That's what happened to Peter. Peter was at the fire warming himself when Jesus was betrayed, and they said, aren't you one of his disciples? And he started to cuss. He said, I don't know who that is. Get away from me. I don't know that man at all. And then he heard the rooster crow, and he remembered the prophecy that Jesus gave him, and he felt like a failure, and he was. But Jesus said, out of the love of God, he sent a message to Peter after the resurrection. He said, go get Peter. Because God doesn't want you to stay in the state of, uh, of failure. God wants you to get back up. You know what Peter had a hard time doing? Here's my opinion. In my opinion, the hardest challenge Peter had wasn't being forgiven by God. It was him forgiving himself. It was him forgiving himself. So the quickest road to success is to possess an attitude of not being fearful of failure. You have to welcome failure. You have to welcome the mistakes you're going to make. Step out by faith. Step out by faith and take the plunge. Step out by faith and say, we're going to do this. Step out by faith and set goals. And don't be afraid to make a declaration of your goals. Don't be afraid to make a declaration of, of moving to the next level in your life. You gotta take a risk, everyone. Say it with me. I gotta take a risk. I have to take a risk. Failing will happen. No matter how hard you try to avoid it, it is going to sneak up on you. But you have to realize something. You are not a failure. Failure is an experience, not a person. You are, you are, say it with me, I am. Victorious. I am favored. I am a son of God, a child of the king. There is no way, say it with me, there is no way I can fail. No way. That's it. No way. Why? Because the God inside of you has never failed. The Christ inside of you. Do you believe that you have him in your life? I, I want to ask you that question. Are you really persuaded that you've got God in your life? Do you know that you are saved? Are you settled on your salvation right now? Have you worked that out in your mind? The scripture says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That means that you have to really take a conscious look and say that I am a child of God and no one else can change my mind about that. You can't question your salvation. And let me help you make it that way right now when you said father forgive me for my sins become the lord of my life you have you have taken the step and accepted the forgiveness and mercy of god and there's nothing more powerful than the blood of jesus
There's no, thank you so much for that golf clap. There's nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus. That's why you got to make your calling and election sure, that, like the Scripture says. In other words, that's why you have to be able to have your own experience. That's why you can't ride on the shirt tails of your, your grandmother's experience or, or follow and, and just stay under the banner and the umbrella of your parents' experience or even your husband or your wife's. You need to have your own experience. And here's the old saying. Are you ready? The old saying that we used to hear in church was this, you've got to pray through sometimes. No, you, you know what that, have you ever heard that? How many of you remember that old saying? Go pray through. When you had an attitude, go pray through. I still tell my kids that. I tell my wife that. I tell everybody that. You know what you got to do? Go pray through, man. Go talk to Jesus first before you talk to me. I tell everybody, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound arrogant, but I do the same thing for myself. I mean, you know, honestly, if I got a bad attitude or I'm fearful, I feel intimidated or whatever, I've got to go spend some time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and, and get over that fear. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine had, had we not said yes? I mean, the word yes is a three-letter word, but it's powerful. When your husband asked you to marry him, you said yes. What if you would have said no? You would have never had those precious children. What if when that boss said, I want to hire you or I want you to work for us, we picked you and decided to hire you, what if you would have said, I just don't know if I can handle that. I'm afraid I'm going to wreck the plant. I'm going to crash the rig. What if you would have said no? What hinders you from saying yes? And what hinders you from putting in an application to get something better for your life and for your family? It's fear. Do you think that that businessman or your boss or anyone else that you work for got to where they're at by never making a mistake? People that are champions and people that are successful and people in the Bible, in this word of God, that has ever done anything worth doing and has ever been used mightily by God have made big mistakes, lots of mistakes. Read the scripture. When you read your Bible, read on the life of Abraham. Abraham lied. Abraham was intimidated. Abraham was fearful. Abraham slept with the wrong woman. Moses killed a man. Moses was scared to say yes to God. Moses hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock, but Moses had to make mistakes. The apostle Paul had an anger problem. Read about the apostle Paul. Low tolerance for John Mark, but Barnabas, thank God for Barnabas. Barnabas came around and said, he's profitable for ministry, Paul, and then later on Paul says the same thing. He says, I'll take a risk on him. God took a risk on me. Because you can't be afraid of people either. You have to realize that you've got to take a chance. Step out. Trust that coworker. Yeah, they may backstab you. Yeah, they may talk about you. Yeah, they may gossip about you. But love is risk. And if you're going to keep yourself 
in this little corner of separation your entire life because you're afraid someone's going to hurt you, then you are never going to grow. And God doesn't want you to be in that prison. God wants you to come out of that prison, make a difference in somebody's life, and do something with your life. It's all, it's all a fear factor. Number two, failure will make you reach your potential. Failure will make you reach your potential. The secret isn't functioning in your strength zone, but it is getting out of your comfort zone. Well, that's a good thought right there. Failure will make you reach your potential, and the secret is getting out of your comfort zone, not your strength zone. In order to reach your ultimate potential, your personal best, and to make it the impossible possible, you must, you must fail and be willing to fail. Well, I just don't know if I want to commit to church because, man, last time I said, yes, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this, I stopped going because I don't know what happened. Well, get back up and go again. What are people, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, if anybody ever says this to anyone, I mean, it's never going to happen here. If it does, I promise you, somebody's going to get the, and I just happen to have them on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> somebody's going to get the boot. But I'm going to tell you right now, no one's going to tell you when you walk through those doors, oh, wait, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You haven't been here in three months, man. What are you doing? <laughs> you haven't been here. You don't get to go to Hollywood. You haven't been here in three months. And by the way, y'all are still doing trips too. You went a free trip tonight, everyone, to Zambia. I'm just joking. <laughs> if you want to go to Zambia and see what we're supporting and what they're a part of, you can actually sign up and take a remissions trip to Zambia or one of the one of the orphanages. I mean, you can do something like that here. There's no limitation. But can you imagine? I think the church was meant to accept people that have been feeling unacceptable. I know the, I don't think I know. The prodigal son, can you imagine what would happen if the father would have said, no, son, you've been gone too long. The other brother got jealous. The other brother was upset because the dad said to the prodigal son, bring the robe, uh, get the fatted calf, get the ring and put it on his finger. And my son who was dead, now he is found. He was lost, now he's found. He said, we're going to celebrate and have a big party. And the, older, and the other brother who had been there the entire time who was faithful said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I ain't right. I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm offended. Whoa, I'm offended. I got to feel like a fish. <laughs> I'm offended. Why? Because I've been here the entire time and no one's ever thrown me a party. And the father said, son, <laughs> everything I have is yours. You've been here the entire time. What's mine is yours. But your brother... He's been gone. You know what? Put yourself in the shoes of that, of that son. He, were, he, he used up all of his inheritance. He was in the pig pen, but he knew that his father loved him and he can go back home. You know what makes us get back up when we fall? It's knowing that we have a heavenly father 
who says no matter what you do, no matter how far you go, if you just come back home, I will love you and embrace you and accept you because you are my son. You're my son. I want you to say it. Say, I'm a child of God. You've got to have that mentality. What if he was so hard on himself, he said, I just can't go back home. It doesn't matter how many times you fail, how many times you mess up. You're God's child, and no one else should tell you any different. You belong to him, and you have the privilege of getting back up, and he'll help you get back up, and you are meant to win. Don't be afraid. Point number three, and the last point for tonight is this. Failure brings character, and it humbles you. Failure brings character, and it humbles you. No one, no one wants to fail because, honestly, it's just bad for your ego. How many business owners do we have? And I know we have a lot missing here tonight. But we have a lot of business owners here and, and a lot of managers, a lot of people that are in charge of other people. Once you get over the fear of making a, a wrong and a bad decision, doesn't it feel good to have not have the fear anymore? Because you've learned one thing, that that failure made and gave you character. What's character? Well, Character is the nature of God. To me, character is the fruit of the Spirit, from my definition. Character is integrity. Character is, is having a disposition of being calm and, and rec- recognizing that I'm not going to respond to an emotional situation. I'm going to let myself be in control under the presence of God, and I'm going to make sound decisions. And I'm going to respond to something with love instead of with hatred and emotion. Because the last time you responded... You caused a big old blaze, right? How many of you have ever caused a big fire? <laughs> you don't know what I mean by that, do you? How many times have any one of us, I've done it before, you know, John Maxwell said that in life we've got, a, we've got two buckets. And in one bucket we've got water, the other one we have gasoline. And arguments are like fires. And you've got a choice. You're going to either add gasoline to the fire or you're going to add water. How many times have we carried gasoline and added to a flame and made it bigger than what it was. And you know what causes you to make the right decision next time? You remember what happened last time. Had you not been through it last time, you would have never done it, you know, again, right? But how else are you supposed to learn? Now, if you're the type of person that can be taught and learn from other people's mistakes, that's wisdom, that's great, and it happens. My brother taught me this one time, my oldest brother. I didn't have a dad growing up, so he tried to be a dad to me. And he told me this. He said, remember this, Bobby. He said, I want you to learn from our mistakes so you don't have to repeat them. And there's some mistakes I haven't made because I've learned from them. But there's a lot of mistakes I had to make on my own. And had I not made mistakes or had I not not been faithful, in approaching life, even living for God, even accepting the pastorate, even saying yes to a calling. After we said yes to the calling, 
I'm going to tell you, it wasn't what I thought it would be at first. I knew God called us. God confirmed it. We'll talk about it sometime. We'll talk about how God called us. And we, we had all the signs and had all the confirmation we needed from God. We just didn't say, oh, I can speak. I've got a ministry, you know. No, God called us. And when God called us, we started it. And I got to tell you, there are many times where only five people showed up. On a Wednesday night, it was just two people that showed up, and that was my wife and I. And we had date night that night. We made the best of it on Wednesday nights. So we may not have a thousand-seat auditorium right now with, with, with people in it on a Wednesday night, but I'm going to tell you something right now. It's far, it's far, it's a far, far place from two people. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. Listen, look back at your life and realize that you are not the same person, that you have come a lot further than what you realize. But what if we would have said, I ain't going through that again? How embarrassing. I just invited people and invite people. No one shows up. And it just breaks you. Humility comes through brokenness. And broken people carry humility. And humility is where the anointing rests. I'm going to say that again for some of you who need a kind of an insight on the anointing. You want to have a life that's anointed then don't resist the breaking process and submit to it in humility and learn how to keep yourself and learn how to thank God for every situation, no matter how bad or how good it is, to stay stable, stay consistent, and you're going to see God say to you one day, you know what, you've been faithful, you passed the test, you've kept yourself, and I can trust you because I've trusted you during that time, and I saw how you responded. I saw how you responded to that problem I saw how you responded to that failure. I saw how you responded to somebody else's failure. And because you can be trusted, it's because you can, you've been tested and you passed. You passed. How many of you have been passing and didn't even know it? You passed some tests and you are accepted. But the ultimate test that was passed was Jesus Christ at the cross. Let me close with this. Your ego will always want you to be right, folks. Your ego will always want you to be right, doesn't want you to be embarrassed, doesn't want you to take a chance. But you have to take a chance because there's people depending on you. And you have to embrace the fact that it may not turn out all good and well in the beginning, but it is a process. And if what God gave you in the beginning, you feel like if you lie, here's a word for somebody, if God gave you something in the beginning and you felt like you lost it. Let me tell you something. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He can restore you. He can rebuild you. He can anoint you. He can reestablish you. But you're never going to get there if you're scared to step out. I conclude with this. Failure determines the kind of person you really are. You won't know what kind of person you are until you're faced with the problem or faced with the chance to either give up or give in. 
God's called you to win. God's called you to succeed. God's called you to great things. And guess what? To level the playing field, there's not one perfect person in the kingdom of God except Jesus Christ. There isn't one perfect person. I don't care what your convictions are. Everyone has a fault and a weakness. Everyone fails. Everyone falls short. But here's a secret. You can't give up. You can't give up. You got to keep on pressing forward. You have to keep on moving forward. You have to keep on. That's right. If you're not clapping, I'll clap. I don't need you to clap. I'll clap for you. I'm telling you. You're called to do great things. Right? You're called to do great things. Somebody some, somebody said on Facebook, oh, you, somebody compared one of the posts I had on Facebook one time and said, I think it was a family member. Somebody said, man, you don't have that many likes on that, Dad. I said, so what? I'll like it myself. <laughs> I liked it. That's the important thing. You have to like it. You have to accept it. You have to believe in yourself. Listen, God didn't make trash. God doesn't make trash. God didn't make a mistake when he gave you breath. You're a gift to the church. You're a gift to the people. You're a gift from the kingdom of God. You're a gift from God to the world. Come on, stand to your feet tonight. I'm telling you, you're somebody. You're somebody and you have to step out by faith. Stop staying at home. Stop being recluse. Stop not wanting to get involved. Stop making excuses for everything and start taking a chance because you must fail to win. And it's the best education you'll ever have. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.